Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. So push is getting to shove now and more and more people are under extreme financial distress and aren't going to be able to pay their apartment rent. There are a number of landlords who reached accommodations with people on uh, allowing people not to make payments for a period of time a lot of jurisdictions around the country put in moratoriums on evictions, but those things one by one are falling by the wayside. So the question is, what do you do when it feels like you have no options and you're facing the possibility of an eviction or something along those lines in an apartment you're renting? So. You need to start planning in two phases as quickly as you can. One is you need to think through where you can go next so that you don't end up in a situation of homelessness if there's any way to avoid it. And so the possibility, as is so often the case, is temporarily moving in with relatives if that's an option or moving in with friends something like that. That's where most people end up landing, at least temporarily. And that is just the practical part of where you have a roof over your head. The second thing is the financial risk of you vacating an apartment, early terminating a lease, or being evicted. You want to avoid an eviction if possible, because an eviction comes with it a world of troubles where you end up going into databases as someone who's been through an eviction and the landlord can seek a judgment against you for an ugly amount of money that will follow you around for years to come. So at a time where things feel overwhelming, I need for you to be active, not passive. And what you need to do is stay in constant touch with your landlord. Let them know that you still are without enough hours or you have no job or you don't have enough income and you would like to help them find a new tenant for your unit. And landlords appreciate that, obviously, because they want the rent to continue. And so you actively helping the landlord find a new tenant is very key making sure the place is ultra tidy and neat if they want to show it to a prospective tenant, doing everything you proactively can to reduce the financial harm to the landlord 
greatly reduces the financial harm to you. And so doing what you can that eliminates their problem eliminates your problem in terms of the financial legal side. Now, with landlords, if you're in a lease in most states, if that property remains vacant for the remainder of the lease, legally in most states, you're liable for all those remaining months of rent. The landlord generally has to show that they have actively attempted to re-rent the property, but the liability you would have potentially could be the entire remaining rent. And so again, you're looking at a financial cost, you're looking at a legal action against you, leading potentially to a judgment, and that's why I know it's hard when you're getting pummeled different ways when you're facing unemployment. That's why you have to come up with that energy to do what you can to help that landlord. It's so key that you do everything you can as almost like a quasi-leasing agent for that landlord to try to get that place re-rented and avoid the legality of an eviction and do what you can to reach accommodations with the landlord that work for both of you in a situation that is tough for both of you, particularly huge percent of rentals in the United States are properties owned by an individual or a small group. It's not the giant impersonal landlords. And they are hurting when you're hurting. And helping each other is key to both of you doing better going forward. It's time for your questions that you posted for me at clark.com ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate asking your questions. And Kim, let's start with you. All right. Up first today is Joshua from Georgia. Joshua says, recently you mentioned rodents causing issues with cars that aren't being driven. So I have a story to share with you. Last year, I needed a transition truck. So I bought an old one for about $500. It wasn't running very well, so I got it super cheap. When I took it home and popped the hood to change the air filter... After pulling out the air filter, I discovered a squirrel's nest that was clogging up the intake. Oh, I, I know. I vacuumed. Any squirrels or just the nest? Uh, just the nest, I think. I hope. Let's let's just believe that. Just okay. the nest. I vacuumed it out, and after that, the truck runs great. But to make things even better, I just sold it for twenty three hundred dollars. Five hundred to twenty three hundred. Not bad. I'm very impressed. You know, it's funny. One person's trash is another person's treasure. And that vehicle was just something that person who sold it to you wanted out of their life, out of their hands. And you were able to have temporary transportation and make money doing it. You know, Kim, that sounds a lot more like a Joel story. Yeah, he's pretty good with stuff like that. You flipped a few cars in your life that are you bought for less, right? I don't know. I don't think I've ever made money on a oh, car okay. purchase, but I just have not lost as much as you typically do. All right, it's time for you to brag, though, just for a minute, Joel, about your Nissan uh, Ultima. Was it? That's right. Yeah. All right, three thousand you paid I for. Think it? I give, pay, give I, us the background. Golly, how much did I pay? I think I paid like thirty-two hundred bucks for it, and then drove it for seven years. And then sold it for like twenty two hundred bucks or something. I mean, lost very little in driving it over the years. And 
you have the capability of doing repairs yourself and you would take on repairs with that uh what was an old Ultima when you bought it and very old by the time you sold it and I was amazed at the things you did watching YouTube videos and stuff being able to repair the vehicle yourself so. only the most basic of things and oftentimes with the help of a friend I'm uh certainly certainly no mechanic that's for sure but it costs you like $140 a year owning the vehicle yeah it was pretty inexpensive I, uh, I think I yeah I got a few things replaced over the years but um, it was in pretty good shape, and I was able to keep it that way. So, All right, let's get to the next question, Clark, yes. all right? Are why, you... why? We shouldn't just let you keep bragging on yourself? <laughs> That's a, We'll do that another time. Okay. All right, Vivian in California says, I want to use budgeting apps such as YNAB and Mint that require me to link my personal checking and savings accounts. I'm hesitant to do so because I don't know how secure and safe it is to do that. So could you provide your thoughts on that? It is a absolutely smart question because the tools of being able to really organize your finances and know what's going on across the waterfront of your financial picture, what you have, what you owe, and what you're earning, and be able to see all that on one, uh, one dashboard, basically, is very valuable to many people. Then you've got the risk of giving these people access with usernames and passwords and all the rest. So the banks kept hoping these things would go away. They've not. So more and more financial institutions have worked out cooperative efforts where your usernames and passwords are not stored on the sites for the budgeting apps. And so the risk level is going down, not up, using these sites. And I think the value of them is so great for people being able to get control of their finances that the value is certain. The risk is possible that you would have the hassle of a hacker. I think that makes it worth you doing. Kim? Raza in Connecticut says, my wife and I have our house fully paid off, but it is only under her name. And I'm wondering how I can add my name to the title as well. So, First, you have to think through, is there an advantage to having your name on the title? And what I would recommend is this is something that is a decision that should not be made or taken lightly. And you should go seek out, it, it will be like maybe an hour of clock time from a real estate attorney in Connecticut who would evaluate whether or not it makes sense to add you and the paperwork is just a standard, simple form. We would not be talking about anything expensive at all to do that paperwork. But the advice of a lawyer would be, who, a real estate lawyer only, somebody who does this every day as they're living, would be an invaluable thing to make sure that it's a smart decision to add yourself. You may be wondering why it wouldn't be a smart decision. Well, there are various circumstances based on your what you do for a living, what liability risks you have, what assets you have, as to what is the proper way to own and title that property. Joel? Clark Juliana in Washington says, we've started setting aside money for each of our three kids every month, $100 per kid per month. These savings aren't necessarily just for education. They can be for anything, like a house down payment in the future, 
college, trade school, launch money to start a business. Our kids are four years old, two years old, and six months old. So what is a good no-fee investment account that we can put this money in to help it grow for them over the next 15 to 20 years? Right. So I have a big bias on this, and that is that you open the, the kids three accounts at Fidelity Investments, and that you open the kids a Fidelity Zero uh, total stock market fund. So Fidelity Investments, as uh, what I guess is a marketing gimmick, offers a small number of zero funds, meaning you pay no commission to be in them and no management fees for Fidelity to manage them. So 100% of the money you have in your four-year-old, two-year-old, and six-month-old's accounts are fully invested with no expenses, and they completely mimic as close as is humanly possible the stock market. And so you can add to them. They have such flexibility. There's no minimum. You can add to them as you wish all through the years. The tax treatment on these is extremely favorable as they, as it is with any index fund. So I really like that as a all-purposes kind of account for children. The one downside of this is that if one, two, or three of your kids decide to go to college, having money in their own name this way harms them in qualifying for financial aid at college. It's just how the system works that money in a kid's name in an investment account is counted against them in qualifying for financial aid. So you got to be really, really confident that college is an unlikely event for your three kids. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Karen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Karen. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good, thank you. So you have a question for me, where to stash money you've got, and what what kind of money is it you have? Oh, I just have, um, it's a CREF account, a TIAA CREF account, and I'm, I was wondering if I should leave it there. I'm no longer with the employer that matched the money that was, there and um and now so i'm on my own and i'm wondering if i should reinvest it or just leave it there where it is so i'm imagining this is a tia 403b plan yes exactly all right so tia is one of the two good companies for 403bs and that's all there are everybody else the hundreds of others as best i know are all uh really terrible and treat okay treat people awful in the plans so with tia you know, they used to call themselves Tia Craft. Now they're just right. Tia. Oh, it's just Tia. Okay. Yeah. Um, the question comes because it depends on how large your employer was that you were with, what kind of expenses you're paying. And Tia will be uh, very forthcoming with you what your expense ratios are. And oh, okay. So your expense ratios 
or what you want to look at. And what do you know what, when I say expense ratio, you know what I mean by that? How much I, ex- I need I spend per year is right in management fees. So Oh, in management fees. Okay. Yeah, on the on the funds you're in in the TIA 403B plan. So if the expenses are half a percent or less that you're paying in management fees, total management fees on the money you have with them, you could just leave the 403B as it is. Okay. Otherwise, okay, otherwise, you want to transfer the money to your own traditional IRA. Because I'm assuming your 403B was not a Roth 403B, that it was just a regular 403B? Yes, just a regular 403B. So yes. the smart move would be to, if the expenses are higher than half a percent, to move it to your own IRA with one of the low-cost companies I have on my investment guide at Clark.com. Oh, okay, great. Thank you so much. And it's really easy. You don't want TIA, if it turns out their expenses are higher than half a percent, you don't want them to issue you a check. You want to go to one of the low-cost companies, which the three big low-cost companies are Vanguard, Fidelity, and Schwab, and you fill out a transfer form with them, and they send that on to uh, TIA, and the money moves directly from them to where you decide to have your IRA. If TIA sends you a check, there's terrible tax issues with that. So as long as you have that transfer done, what's known as trustee to trustee, you're in great shape. And I'm so glad that your 403B was with TIA because in a horrible, ugly, rotten, terrible industry, the 403B industry, they're one of the good players. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. So I have not been on an airplane since the first week of March, which is very unusual for me because... In a typical year, I'll take 30 round trips. And last year, I took um, oh, slightly less than that. I, it was just under 30. And this year, I've taken a total of two round trips. And I don't know that I'll be on a plane again this year because my wife is terrified of me not surviving if I got coronavirus. So at her wish... I'm not taking any trips. We're not taking any family travel at all. Other people, though, are not as concerned. They are flying. And in some cases, they're flying because of incredibly cheap deals. I've seen deals recently, especially on American Airlines, that are so dirt cheap, they're stunning. Being able to fly up and down the eastern seaboard at fares as little as 60 or $70 round trip. Uh, flights coast to coast is as little as $90 round trip. 
And you're not going to find those every flight every day. You have to look around. But these are the kind of fares that historically you would have only seen on Spirit, Frontier, or Allegiant. Now, that comes with that is a significant risk. American is filling as many seats on a plane as they possibly can. No empty middle seats. And United, once American did that, followed that as well. And according to research at MIT, you double your chances of getting coronavirus on a flight if the middle seat next to you is filled. So it's not possible on airplanes to have the six feet distance that is recommended. But on all airlines now, you have to wear masks. And mask compliance is getting more and more stringent on airlines. And so you may wonder if you have somebody right in front of you who is uh, a foot and a half away from you or whatever, why is that safer than having somebody next to you? The reason is is that you're all breathing forward, where if you have somebody right next to you, it increases the danger to you. So airlines like Delta and Southwest that are only boarding enough people that you don't have to worry about somebody being in a middle seat. And JetBlue that uh, is thinking about ending their restriction on middle seats in early September. We'll see how that plays. But having the extra space on an airplane not only psychologically makes you feel safer, but also uh, medically, scientifically, apparently makes you safer. And so you've got that trade-off with American in particular offering these extra cheap fares. If you're one of those people who's like, what's all the fuss about? Take advantage of the cheap fares. But if you are worried about a greater enhanced chance of danger to your health, then know that the airlines you fly, it's important to choose. There's another smaller airline that is also blocking middle seats at least into early fall, and that's Alaska Airlines. So with Alaska, Delta, Southwest, through early fall, JetBlue now, through early September, and we'll, again, these could be extended, you are protected from people being directly adjacent to you. And then United and American, not part of their plan. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel asking, and who's next? That would be me, and this is from Alan in Texas. And Alan says, my credit card was recently dramatically dramatically reduced. It had a zero balance and my credit file only shows an 18% utilization. So my question is why and what should I do? So meaning that the unilaterally the credit card company reduced the available credit limit? Yep. Quickly apply for another card and definitely not at the same institution. They're terrified of people defaulting out on their credit. One thing I've been recommending is go to credit unions. If you are a member of a credit union, if you've never gotten a credit card from your credit union, get one from them. You also might use this as an opportunity to get one of those cards I've been recommending this year, the 2% cash back cards that are now available for more and more issuers. Because what you don't want is you don't want your overall available credit 
limit reduced because it directly reflects on your score. The percent of your available credit you're using right now at 18% is great, but if credit limits keep getting reduced and it pushes your use of available credit above 30%, your credit score starts dropping and dropping and dropping because that factor alone is nearly a third of what makes up your credit score. If you have only a credit card that you're using sporadically or using a very little amount on and your credit limits dramatically reduced, you could find your credit score dropping by more than 100 points, which could eat you alive on what your auto insurance rates are and other things involved in your life. So you want to be diversified with your credit cards and make sure you always are following at least my Noah's Ark rule of having a minimum two major credit cards from two different issuers. Joel? Clark Knight in Texas says, I'm self-employed and I started my business in January of this year. I filled out the PPP form on the SBA website, but when I contacted the Texas SBA to find out where to send my PPP application, I was given the runaround. And when I finally spoke with someone, I was told I had to go through a bank. Is this true? And if not, can you please tell me who I can contact about getting a PPP loan so I can get this processed as fast as possible? My business really needs it. Okay, first of all, um, PPP loans can only be processed through a third party. It can be a bank, it can be a credit union, or it can be a non-traditional lender. There are a number of what are known as fintechs. Those are non-banks that are much more adept at lending money to small businesses than banks typically are. But look for a small local community bank near you in Texas or a credit union near you. See if either are taking applications for PPPs. By this point, the ones that are doing these loans know the whole process, know how to do it, and can push through an application very quickly. The fintechs as well, many of them have done an enormous number of loans and know how to get them done. The one place never to go for a PPP loan, never, is a larger bank. Never a big regional bank, and never one of the giant monster banks, giant monster mega banks like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase City. Don't waste your time with any of them or the next tier down, which are what are known as super regional banks. You want a small local bank, again, a credit union, or a fintech. Kim? Christy in Georgia says, with the coin shortage, is it legal for a company to round up the amount due to keep them from having to give out change? Also, is it legal for them to say that only a card could be used for payment? Uh, Yes and yes in most any jurisdiction in the country. There are a small number of jurisdictions that have said that you must be allowed to engage in commerce in legal tender, in U.S. cash, but that's very rare as a requirement. On the roundup, a retailer or any business that doesn't want to alienate its customers should have a standard roundup, round down policy that depending on what the purchase price is in cents, that below a certain point, the price is rounded down to the nearest quarter, 
and above a certain point, it's rounded up to the nearest quarter. So generally, uh, you know, up to 12 cents, it's rounded down. 13 to 24, it's rounded up. And then everybody ends up even over time. This is a problem because, like I addressed before, we have so many coins sitting in our house right now, it's a shame. We could really benefit the financial system and retailers and restaurants if we were to go dump those coins somewhere. And I keep meaning to do something about it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Before we go on, can I ask you one follow-up to that? Yeah. What about if a company says you have to use a card, but also wants to charge you a fee to use the card? Can they do that? Not to my knowledge. They cannot both charge you a fee and offer you no alternative means of paying. Basically, the price of everything, if they only offer the ability to pay by card, the price of everything really is a lie. If they say the price, then you go to pay, and it's more than that. Now, what some card-only establishments do is there's no fee if you use a debit card and clear it as debit, but there is a fee if you use credit. And that's because the fees that a retailer or restaurateur pays on a credit card are so much higher than the fees are on a debit card. Joel? All right, Clark. Eric in Georgia says, I owe $33,000 on my mortgage. I really want to refinance my loan. Are there options available for such a small remaining balance? I don't want uh, to pay for more years. I just really want a lower interest rate. So there's not an easy way to do this. I, I actually did this once when I had a small balance like we're talking about here many, many years ago when my mortgage rate was much higher than I could get on a home equity line of credit. And I was willing to take a risk with the floating rate on a home equity line of credit because I ended up paying off that remaining balance in less than two years. Today, the HELOCs, even with their floating rate, are likely going to be equivalent or higher than the interest rate you have on that remaining 33000 You may find if you have an older mortgage that has a really high interest rate, that at a credit union you could do a five-year home equity loan, which would have a fixed rate for five years. If you could handle paying off that 33000 in five years, they have very low closing costs at credit unions, and you could potentially get that balance paid off. There's no way for you to do a refi into any kind of traditional mortgage at that balance that would work out because of the embedded costs in doing a refi of that small loan. In fact, most lenders won't even do a refi of a mortgage unless the balance is much higher than what you have. So that one, I don't have the easiest way for you to navigate. Kim? Tom in Florida says, you recently talked about buying a newer used car about 2017 for a year model. You also said avoid ones with high mileage. So what do you consider high mileage for a 2017 car? Wonderful question. You want to stay below 50,000 miles. And preferably a lot of times with a 2017 model year, you'll be able to buy one below 40,000 miles. 
So if you stay in that range, you've got many, many wonderful years of ownership in front of you on a vehicle that may cost you half what that vehicle would have been new. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Matthew is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Matthew. Hi, Clark Howard. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, Matthew, you are a savings maniac, I gather. Well, that's sort of what I wanted to ask you about. I am a new engineer. I just graduated about six months ago. And Congratulations. And how how's the stability of the job market been for you in the midst of so much disruption? It's been kind of rough for me personally. Thank God it's been very stable. My company's doing very well, especially at the location that I'm at. And so I'm just wondering how much I need to save versus focusing on my student loans. So you have been saving money every possible way you participate in your employer's retirement plan you're doing a high deductible health plan that makes you hsa eligible which is one of the greatest probably the greatest tax advantage thing you can do and then you're still saving additional money i mean you're amazing so right well i'm i'm sorry i'm very lucky to live in a low cost of living area and my salary is quite competitive so that uh, leaves a lot of room to catch up so your goals going forward um, do you plan to buy a home in the next few years or that you're going to need down payment money for like what kind of things are really central to what you're planning to do that'll help me advise you as you live so far beneath your earnings right so yes i do plan to purchase a home maybe within the next few years i have uh a Jeep right now and it's running pretty well but you know in the next maybe four or five years that's going to be something that I want to get a new vehicle um, if one stops working other than that I have about $25,000 in student loans but they're government student loans so the interest rate is quite low and right now they're actually um, in forbearance at zero percent interest so not for um, much longer been, yeah that right that, that clock's running out soon so what right. I would do if I were you, because you've got intermediate goals and you're going to be able to meet all of your goals because you from the get-go have set up your life where you're living, uh, running quick calculations in my head, you're living on about half of what you make. A little bit more than that. I'm saving about 35% of my pre-tax income. Isn't that great? I mean, that's yes, extraordinary. Nice. So... Uh, that will give you so much freedom in your life moving forward. And so I would make sure you built up a 
because of the mentality you have and the way you live your life, your first thing would be to build up a six-month reserve of money. And you're kind of on the way with that right now, aren't you? Yes, sir. I'm almost finished saving my emergency fund. So now I'm just trying to decide, I guess, where to allocate that money that I've been saving for that emergency Kill the fund. student loans. Okay. Definitely kill the student loans because even though the interest rate is low, the blended rate of your federal student loans is probably somewhere in the fours or fives. Yes, sir. So you can't earn that easily anywhere. Certainly your idle cash isn't. So I would set as the next target goal, wiping out the, you said, nearly 30000 in student loan debt. And the way you're handling money, you'll do that in like two and a half, three years. So that would be how I'd handle it. And congratulations to you. You continue to live your life this frugally. You're going to have the ability, if you want to bag work in your 40s, you'll be able to do it. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.